Life is an epic journey. Live it unleashed. Hey, fellow journeyers, Jeremy here. Welcome back to the Living Unleashed podcast. You know, we are on an epic journey. And on this journey, God offers us a passionate life. And this is a life that is defined by hope, filled with joy, marked by peace, and walks in freedom. And uh, we're just intentionally shaping our lives so that we might experience this awesome and amazing life that God has for us. And as we're doing that here in Season 2 of the Living Unleashed podcast, we are journeying with Luke through the books of Luke and Acts. And today we are on Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11, and in this chapter, we are going to dive into prayer, uh, because that's the what uh, the first portion of this uh, chapter contains. There's lots of good stuff, as there has been in every chapter, uh, but to stay contained to a 10-minute podcast, uh, we're going to just look here at this opening section that goes down through verse 13, uh, 1 through 13, teaching on prayer. So let's get started. All right. Now, this passage opens out with the the opening words say, Once Jesus was in a certain place praying. Now, Luke has already noted several times um, so far in his gospel, he's made comments about Jesus going off to pray, about Jesus taking time to pray, going off into the wilderness, getting up early, um, and praying. So we've heard it enough to understand that prayer was a central part of Jesus' life, an intentional prayer, because he goes off, he gets up early, he prays into the night. I mean, these are things where we see that it is not only intentional, it's also intense prayer. So much so that when he was finished, the disciples asked him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, that's a common request from disciples to their teacher. Teach us to pray. And so Jesus goes into doing that. But we, I want us to jump past that for just a minute, that we could spend a lot of time on each of those phrases, but I want us to get to something that I think uh, kind of works at us uh, a little bit more, leaves us with questions, and it's the parable he tells, because the parable could be just a little bit confusing, all right? Because he uses this story, it says... He says, suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight. Now, here, here's the setup. Please let me tell you. Here's the setup. In that region at that time, it was an honorable thing to offer hospitality to someone who came through needing um, to stay the night. And so what's happened is there's a friend who's had a friend stop, and it's midnight. But the problem is he doesn't have any bread left in the house. They've used up all the bread. But he is expected by the culture of hospitality to provide for this friend, and he has nothing. And so that's a humiliation. Um, His honor is at stake. His family's honor is at stake. So he says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to run to my neighbors. So he goes to another friend's house, and he starts banging on the door. Now, as you can expect, it's midnight, uh, and the friend is already in bed asleep. And he says, you know, not only is he asleep, but my family are all in bed now. What this would picture is um, in a small Palestinian village, this one-room 
house that towards one end probably had a raised platform that everybody slept on. And then if there were any animals, they slept on the lower floor. Um, and so he's there. He's got everybody tucked in. To get up means to disturb his family. It means to disturb potentially um, some animals. It means just to make a mess of things. And, you know, once you got the kids asleep, you don't want to be bothered. And so he says, don't bother me. The door's locked for the night. You know, I can't get up. I'll wake up or everybody up. But he goes on to say this. Jesus says, but I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. This idea of just shamelessly, just persistent because it is so important that this take place. His honor is at stake. So what's Jesus trying to say? Is it that when we pray that God has to be convinced that we are bothering God and um, it's only when we become enough of a bother that God will finally give in and do something? No. This is setting up a, a, a scenario or a scene that demonstrates that the friend is not unwilling to give the bread. He's not unwilling to give a good gift to a friend, okay? But because it's going to cause him some trouble, I mean, he does it because the friend, the friend's urgency and need for it becomes greater than the trouble it's going to cause him. Now, when we ask God for things, it's not trouble, but... Here's the thing. It's about relationship. It's about not using God as a vending machine. Okay? See, if if we if if we just give it a flippant, oh Lord, can I have this? Or oh Lord, would you take care of that? Or oh Lord, would you do this? And go on without that persistence. That persistence demonstrates our need for God, first of all. Lord, I have nowhere else to turn. Okay? If I'm hungry and driving down the street and I start to pull into a particular restaurant and it's Monday and they're closed on Mondays and I see the close sign, I'm just going to go down the street to another restaurant because anybody can provide. I mean, there's several restaurants down the street that they, all of them can provide some kind of nourishment or nutrition for me and my body. Okay. I, I don't have to have that one. I can just go on to another one. We don't want to treat God like that. We don't want to treat God our relationship to God. So Jesus goes on to tell you, he says, I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. See, it's about persistence. It's about praying to God like he's really God and like we're nowhere without him. It's about praying to God in a demonstrable way that says, Lord, you are everything to me and I need you. Lord, I I lay my case before you. And you're not just simply some vending machine where I place my um, where, where I just place a couple quarters in and push a button and get what I want, but that I'm in a relationship with you and that that persistence demonstrates that, Lord, I need you. Lord, I have nowhere else to turn. I'm not going anywhere else. You are my God. There, I have no other gods. You are my king. I have no other kings. You are the one who can do all and are all, and I'm just going to turn it over completely to you. And I'm going to give you that kind of time. Jesus's life demonstrated this. Jesus went off by himself and spent 
chunks of time. What is, is communicated through Luke's gospel, significant chunks of time with God and, 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 and spent that time with him. And so it's this invitation to not just use God, but to actually be in relationship with God. And that when we do, when we're persistent, when we stay in communication and contact, man, it opens up all sorts of things for us. He goes on to say in verse 11, you fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if you ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Luke is concerned with the topic of the Holy Spirit, and what he's communicating with us here is that the greatest gift we can get from God is the Holy Spirit. I mean, that's that's what we're our man. That's what we want. And if we ask, you know, God's going to give it. Now, I want you to think for just a second. Luke was a uh, he traveled with Paul, and Paul has quite a bit to say about the Holy Spirit about the Holy Spirit. So look at Romans 8. Now I'm going to the NIV uh, translation for this because this passage is so familiar to me and that's what I've read it in so often. And I just want you to hear some of this. I want you to think about what we're asking. It says, the mind governed by the flesh is death. I'm in verse like the verse 6 of chapter 8 of Romans. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Oh man, See, we have the Spirit brings us life and brings us peace. I'm going to skip off some more. Thirteen, Verse 13, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Back up at verse 11, and if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. Um. Go on to verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. I mean, that's just a small bit of it. I mean, that's what God wants to give. He wants to give us life. That's why the Holy Spirit's so important. Jesus paved the way through his crucifixion and his resurrection so that we might be indwelled by his spirit. Isn't that awesome? And that is what gives us life and hope and joy joy and peace and freedom. And that's where we want to be. But we have to seek God. We have to seek God, not to convince him that we're worthy, not to fulfill some kind of requirement to earn life, but to because he is life. And that's what we want. And we want, I mean, he is the only source of life. And this in this uh, um, example of persistence, this shameless persistence comes from the fact that, Lord, you are everything. Without you, I am going to be shamed. Without his friend giving him the bread, the friend is going to be shamed. Lord, I need you. Without you, I my, my past is, is filled with shame, all of my actions, all my decisions. But with you, with you is life. With you is strength. With you is hope. 
and joy and peace. And that's what I want. And so I'm going to keep on seeking, keep on asking, keep on knocking because there's nowhere else to go. And that's what I want. Do you pursue God with that kind of persistence? That's what this passage is is teaching. It changes completely from saying, oh, I'm just going to say a quick prayer to the seeking God all the time and all that we do in every place we go. That's what this passage is inviting us to. There's so much more I could say about it. I really hope this, this podcast stirs you up to thinking and carries you towards greater clarity and does not cause more uh, uh, confusion since it's a short period of time and I'm already over. But It's an awesome thing. Wrestle with that. Go to Romans 8. Think about what you're getting when you get the Spirit, that that's that highest gift. It's such a great gift that in John, Jesus says, I go away so that God can send the Spirit to you. The Father can send the Spirit because that's what you need. I mean, that was a better place for the disciples to be and for you and me to be. So let's ask for it. Let's keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. And man, we're going to find, and when we find, we find life. We receive life. And that is what is awesome. All right. Well, we've got to wrap this up today. It has been a great session, but it's gone a little over. I hope you're enjoying this. Leave me a comment. Drop me a a message uh, on the website or on Facebook or give me an email at jeremy at livingunleashed.org. I hope you have an awesome and amazing day. Keep seeking after God and discover the life that he gives. And as always, keep on living unleashed.